0: Amazing Grace Kona Welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Let's read together what happened right after they sang the Hallel Psalm. In Mark chapter 14, verse 26, they sang the, that hymn. After singing the hymn, they, they departed and went to the Mount of Olives. Now Jesus said to them, You will fall away. Because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now, Jesus is quoting from the scripture in Zechariah 13, verse 7. And Jesus says, I I tell you, now they're they're departing for the Mount of Olives. And he says, but but I after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet. I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that you yourself this very night, before the cock crows twice, you shall deny that you know me three times. But Peter kept insistently saying, Even if I have to die with you, Lord, I will not deny you. And I want you to notice the very last line of verse 31. And they all... We're saying the same thing, too. Now Peter is always the one that gets remembered as the one who failed, the great failure, the one who denied he even knew the Lord. That was Peter, but you know what? All of them failed. All of them. Not not one of them stood up and 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 held their ground, and that shows that these guys really they blew it. They didn't know. They didn't have it down. But my question to you is, does Jesus know us even better than we know ourselves? Now, Matthew tells us that when Jesus told Peter that you're going to deny me, he said, when you once again turn, Peter, I want you to do something. Strengthen your brethren. So did Jesus know that Peter would once, after he's denied him, that he would turn back to following the Lord? Yes. See, he knew this, and they don't portray Jesus in the History Channel like he knew anything. But Jesus knew even the subtlest little things, the motivations, the the failures, the frailties of our own persons. And he even knew it before that these men knew it. And you know, I love to study the scripture because it gives me, well, like the Bible says, the scripture brings us great encouragement. It gives us great hope when we learn that God knows us better than we know ourselves, that he has a plan for us even after our failures, which he already foreknew, by the way. Don't ever let the devil get his way with you and start telling you, you're a failure. You shouldn't even bother going to church. They probably can't use failures like you. You need to listen to today's sermon, because if you have ever failed, I got news for you. So did Peter. And he ain't the only one in the group. He's just the one that gets the the, the, the spotlight on him. But see, the scripture is so complete. It has such a, a way of bringing out these things that God wasn't done with using Peter. But Peter was going to fail. And Peter's failure would be one that would even go down in the secular history books. There's a man named Josephus that writes about the, the days of the, uh, of the times of Christ. He was just a historian. Very dry read if you want to read it, but it's like this thick. And, oh. and do you know that even Josephus recognized things about Jesus? The crowds that were drawn to him, the miracles what he completed. He, he noted some of those very things in his writings. He also noted something about Peter. He said that this Jesus, three days after he was buried, he rose. And this fellow named Peter, one of his followers, would, would go on to be a, a ringleader in this, this new faith, this this way, they called it, the way to God. If any man wants to come unto salvation, they would they would cry out in the early church, Jesus is the way. You guys know John 14 6, the way, the truth, the life, and no one gets to the Father except through him. So the church began to be called the way. And Peter was noted by Josephus as one of the guys who actually was a ringleader. They said that they used to go around to this ringleader, this Peter guy after Jesus rose, and they would go doo. Josephus wrote this down. That the, that the general public would constantly do the cocking of a crow when they'd see this man approaching. Now, why would some people in the world, what, what do they gain from this? Isn't it like the world to point out our failures? You failed, you failed. You know, as many times as they could fault Peter for denying the Lord that one time, that night, had a one night of week lapsing. And by the way, I'll show you in the further and here in gospel of Mark. He's going to have a trouble staying awake too. That's another failure he has. But he isn't the only one falling asleep either, by the way. They, they all do. Yeah. But yet the world delights in our failure. They would even, Josephus would even Right. He doesn't write, and yeah, Peter was the guy that was in the boat when there was a big storm, and Peter got to walk on water. No, they don't mention that. Now, if I was Peter, I'd probably go, well, guys, I might have had one bad night, but I didn't see any of you guys walking on water. Remember that? hmm? You know, see, because the world likes to point out our failures and rub our nose in it, but they don't recognize the power of our God. And the power of our God, I want to point this out to you very clearly today in Mark 14. He, How many things are possible with our God? All things. But hold on to that just for a little bit in your mind. Just hold that thought that how many things are possible with God? All things. I need you to remember this because we're going to read a little bit further and we're going to see Peter's failure. But I want to show you somebody who knew that how many things are possible again? all things, that all things are possible with God. And the person who knows that in this text that we're going to study today, she said it. It's Jesus. And it's something we need to know. Let me show you why. Because Jesus is about to face a cup of wrath but he will take to drink. A cup that he says, I don't even want to do it because he he knows how brutal this cup will be just a sip would break any ordinary man but he's going to drink the whole cup for who us let me show you look down here with me at mark chapter 14 verse 32 it says and then they came to the place called gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here until i have prayed now gethsemane it's a it's an aramaic word it's um literally breaks into two parts, olive and press. Place where you press the olives. And if you go there, it's it's on the Mount of Olives. It's at the base of the Mount of Olives. They bring the olives down the hill, press them in the press to make the olive oil. And I remember sitting there thinking, Lord, you were here. You were with your disciples. You came here with them. And you asked them to do one thing with you. Just stay here with me. And pray, keep watch and pray. Now, it says he took with him Peter and James and John. And he began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began praying that if it were possible that this hour might pass him by, for he was saying abba father abba is Hebrew for an endearing word daddy we would say you know it's a it's a personal intimate it's not don't think of it like the title of father in a title sort of way think of it as the relationship of dad dada is really the closest thing we have in english when a when a child first speaks those words they don't even say daddy, just dada. And, the, and of course, as, as parents, when that happens, we're like, oh, melt, right? Because they, there's, they know there's that connection. This is the word what Jesus cried out to his father. Abba, dada, you know, you're my father. And then he says, Abba, father. How many things are possible with you? All things are possible with thee. Gee, for a guy who doesn't know anything, he sure has a clue on spiritual matters. All things are possible with God. But he also has another clue that, see, because the next line says, but not as I will, but as you will. Not my will be done, but whose will? Your Your will. Now he knows he's talking to the man who has all things that are possible with him. And he knows he's got to drink a cup that he doesn't want to drink. And he's even willing to ask, would you remove this cup? Could I pass on drinking it? I don't want to do it. Was his soul cool with this? What did it just say? His soul was in distress. He fell to the ground. He cried out, Abba, Father. All things are possible with you. Could you remove this cup? But not as I will. One thing Jesus knew that we forget is that God's will versus our will. Which one do you think would work out best for you? See, because Jesus knew this. Even in his prayer, what cries out, God, could we pass on this whole crucifixion thing? I know what they're going to do to me. By the way, he did know that he was going to be beaten. He didn't know he was going to be mocked. He knew he was going to be killed. He even knew he was going to be crucified. Why do I say that? Because he told them. You read, the, you read right before he goes to riding on the donkey in the passage of the Gospel of Luke and in the passage of Matthew, and Jesus told his disciples, we have to go there because this is what they're going to do to me. They didn't like that. They're like, no, Lord, that's not good. And Peter said, Lord, God forbid, that's a terrible idea. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not putting your mind on the interests of God, but on the interest of yourself, of man. You forgot the point you got to understand this. If Jesus would say, God, your will over my will, and he's facing the worst thing that's ever going to happen to him, what should we pray when we're facing bad things? The same. God, you know. When we're facing good things, triumphs, what should we pray? The same thing. The reason we should pray this is because there is an inherent knowledge that Christ had. There was an understanding that we need to let sink into us. I have a question for you. If you pray for God's will over your will, is God's will better for you or worse? Is he going to wreck your day? If you say, God, let's go with your will over my will. Because he just wants to destroy all your fun, right? He's, he's the big potty pooper. He's going to ruin it all no now he in his will may steer you away from some some vices or some sin or some snares that would so easily beset you because it's his will that nobody perishes and he doesn't want you to perish he doesn't even want you to be caught in the trespasses and the and the bonds and fetters of sin he came to set you free jesus said The person what the Son sets free, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free indeed when Christ sets you free. But Peter learned in this night he heard Jesus pray, God, I don't want to do this horrible thing. They're going to beat me. I don't want to suffer this. But Peter is pointing out something Jesus understood that when it came time for a situation what maybe our will wants to do it one way and then we think, but God, you know, I've got to leave room for your will. That Jesus modeled to Peter as he laid there praying in distress. He was teaching Peter that God's will is above our will. And that when we submit our will to his will, even, and I'm not going to tell you like some American Western Christianity, name it and claim it, health and wealth doctrine preachers would tell you, that your life will be all wonderful. You'll never have any problems because God's will for you, my dear brother, is to bless you. You're, you're a child of the king. And as a child of the king, you are one of the heirs of the blessings of being one of his children, and he just wants great things for you. He might torture you. Just get real. (laughs) You might have to lay down your life as a martyr for your faith. Do you know that's a real possibility? Today. Now, here in America, we go, no, that wouldn't happen to us. Wake up. It's coming, isn't it? Only because of the heritage of our forefathers that so strongly walked in faith after God. But we have as a nation turned from that. And I don't see any reason why the Lord has to keep his hand of shelter over us when we keep turning our backs on him. And we haven't humbled ourselves like the scripture says. He says, if if you will humble yourselves and pray as a nation, then I will hear and I will heal your land. But our land is sick. And we're going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology pretty soon the way we're going. If we don't repent of our sins, and guys, we need to wake up. Judgment could happen to us, and deservedly so, because we have not continued steadfast. But even when you are steadfast, Jesus was, well, what greater example do I have of someone who is steadfast than the Lord himself? When you stay steadfast in your faith, does it excuse you from all suffering? Oh, you get a pass. Steadfast, no suffering for you. Wrong. If any man wants to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, pick up his, his cross, and come follow me. Guys, I don't mean to sound morbid, but suffering as a Christian is part of what we're going to face if we're really going to follow our Lord. You might suffer rejection from your family. You might suffer rejection on your work site. Job site, you might suffer rejection by your co-workers. But in the suffering what you suffer, do you think you'll suffer abandonment from God? No. Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. What's the psalmist say in Psalm 23? Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know, one of the greatest comforts I can teach you is even when we face bad times, the Lord is still with us. He's with us. And Jesus will suffer the greatest of rejections because at one point he will cry out, Eli, Eli. He'll say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The greatest, most horrific part of his journey to the cross would be the the realization of the separation of himself from God as he took upon himself our sin. You know, the psalmist writes, is my sin what has separated me from thee, O God? You know, it's our very sin that makes God feel far away. God is not far away. If you tell me, oh, he feels far away, I can you just confess to me you're a sinner. And if he seems far, far away, I know you're a really bad sinner. But how many sins does it take me to fall short of entering into the kingdom of heaven just one one sin versus a million sin doesn't matter that sin will separate you from God and Jesus came to pay for all of our sin so we would not have to be separated from God so we would never suffer that and that no matter what you go through no matter what horrible horrific thing you face down here you will never have to face separation from God because Jesus paid so that you could have that intimate closeness to God. Jesus understood. He knew that while praying his petition, please pass on this cup. I don't want to do it. But nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Why would he want to do God's will over his? Which one's better? God's. If we go with God's will, does God know what he's doing? Always. Now, in the short term, and by the way, we are very short-term minded people. We are very instant gratification kind of creatures here. And the problem with that is it causes a person to be very narrow-minded in their thinking about how fast God needs to answer their prayer or how They want their prayer answered. And they don't understand that we're talking to the author of the universe, the creator of all creation, the one that has authored our salvation in his son and knows the... Well, his son was called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows everything. And he knows how to answer our prayers with his will if we want to... Now, I'm not saying you have... Do I have to go with his will? No, but I would recommend it very highly over our will because he sees things we do not. He understands things about situations that you don't even, well, you haven't even encountered yet because you haven't lived into the future and he can see the beginning unto the end. And I came to that understanding why. Because I learned something about God's will. His will is so far greater for you than your own will. His thoughts, it says, are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. And he, even our our greatest thought, is lower than his lowest basis thought toward us. He loves us so much. We'd be there. God, if I could just get this person and be married with them, we'd live happily ever after. God goes, oh, I wouldn't wish that on you for anything. You don't know how they're going to turn out to be. You know, tomorrow there's going to be this happens to them. They're going to turn sour and they're going to be a sour puss for the rest of their life. And you don't want them. But see, if we believe our will is better than his will, we will venture into areas of life where we will make great mistakes. And we will pay for those mistakes. A great pain to our own heart. And there's nothing better than following the example of our Lord. Though the road might be hard ahead if we will just submit and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. You might find out that his will has some good things included. Because he knows greater. And his will for us is so much greater than our understanding of our will for ourselves. We are... We are, well, the psalmist wrote it best. Psalm 103, the psalmist wrote, the Lord knows our frame. And it says he is mindful that we are but dust. And God's mindful of that because he made us. And he knows our frames are weak. But see, even in the weak frame that I got, he was able to let me grasp that he has a way that's greater than my way. He has an understanding, a a, a knowledge, a love, a grace that is greater than anything that I understand. And he says, let me give you that. Come follow me. And I want to encourage you this week. There's nothing more reassuring than knowing we can follow the Lord. And even when we face stuff we don't want to or it's hard, we can say, Lord, let it pass, please, if that's your will. But if it's not your will... I'm going to default with Jesus' prayer. Not my will be done, but, but yours. And let's let him do it. Because how did it pay out for Jesus in the end? Well, where is Jesus seated right now? At the right hand of the Father. It says there's no greater position, no greater place in the entire universe than the seat which Jesus occupies. But how did he get there? He died. He went to the cross for us that all the glory and honor, power would be bestowed upon him as he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, the devil tried to get him to take a shortcut. You don't need to suffer. Just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the keys to the whole earth. Except that who would he be seated next to? Satan was going, just come be my right hand guy. Jesus said, no, I'll do what the Father wants me to do. May we be that people of resolve. We would do what the Father wants us to do. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.